Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome to Food for Thought. Your table is now ready. Your servers will be Nate Geary and Bruce Nolan. Our specials today are cold, hard facts and fresh, hot takes. Can I get you started with... I'm sorry, just one moment. Can I get a little energy in here? Serving it up to you live on the Buffalo Rumblings VidCast Network. I'm Bruce Nolan. That, my friends, is Nate Geary. And this is Food for Thought, a show combining two of your three favorite F-words. That's right, food and football. The third one is fart jokes. Because sometimes you have to be a little bit immature to kind of make this work. We're all a little loopy. After a hard week, and we're ready to kick back, have a beer. As a reminder, there's a specific type of beer that we would encourage you to have, and that is today's sponsor, Everyday's sponsor, Genesee Brewing Company. Since 1878, Genesee has poured generations of brewing knowledge into each pint, can, and bottle of their beer. They make no sacrifices when it comes to their beer, brewing each with the highest quality ingredients for a consistently great drinking experience. Look for Genesee Beer, Genesee Light, Cream Ale, and their specialty line with beers like Ruby Red Kolsch and Oktoberfest. Genesee Brewery, Rochester, New York. Mr. Geary, how you doing, man? I'm well. Are you a are, are you a cheese curd guy? I am a cheese curd guy, yes. I'm not sure you will be after you see the bottom of this. You know, man, it's it's, it's, it's I'm pretty sure it's created just eggnog curd. As a reminder, Nate still has his eggnog sitting on his desk. Patton in the comments says, is it sentient yet? Well, you don't want to open it because not only will the smell probably kill you, but also it may come to life and start taking over the world. I'm pretty sure this was a plot of species, Nate. So I'm not sure if you recently saw the report that the government, uh, or maybe it's not the government, someone came up with robotic slime. Mm. Twas yes. me. <laughs> Nate. Mild-mannered radio host at night, sales manager by day. That's right. And then in the third shift, he is actually a robotic slime creator. <laughs> you know, and the funny thing is, so uh, recently, uh, so I, I'm a I I live in a rental property, right? This is a I'm I live in an upstairs, live in upper lower, and recently the owner of the building, a, a friend of mine, uh, decided to sell the house. Um, so we've had for the last two weeks, people 
through all hours of the day, coming to do walkthroughs, coming to check the place out. And uh, this thing, I decided I was just going to keep front and center right on the desk, right as you walk in. So you walk in from right over here to my right. You walk in and it just was this eggnog sitting here. And yes, I got multiple questions on it. Um, one, I think, was the most the most important question, which is, and I and I still don't quite have an answer for it, but it was just like, why why haven't you thrown that away? And um, I, I I don't know. It's just now at this point, it's I'd like to get I'd like to get to next Thanksgiving at this point. Next Thanksgiving, I think okay. that's that's my new benchmark. Yeah. Well, they people need to know you know what kind of thing they're getting into if they buy this building, and I think that the eggnog is a big part of that. It's a big part of the a, character of the building. Yeah, yeah it's ingrained. <laughs> As a reminder, ladies and gentlemen, make sure you hit all of the engagement buttons today. Like, subscribe, rate, review. As a reminder, YouTube Super Chats that are $10 or greater, get a Genesee pint glass. Just make sure you're following at Jenny Brewery on Twitter and at Nate Geary Sports and at Bruce Exclusive. And then DM Nate Geary with proof of those follows and he'll package up kindly a Genesee pint glass for you. I actually have a Genesee pint glass that Nate sent to me. And I just, I just want you guys to know that Nate put on the package in quotations, Bruce Nolan said it to Bruce Nolan. And I picked it up and I was like, this is, this is absolutely perfect. <laughs> Poor mailman's like, who the bloody, <laughs> who's, who lives at this house? Who is I don't... Bruce Nolan? Who's, whose residence address is this? I don't understand. The best and... part is I, I had my girlfriend put together the, um, the the packing slips right um that i ended up not actually using i had a read i had a, a whole, it was a whole thing but i uh i was like yeah hey, uh and there's going to be one package that's got t-shirts and has a couple of glasses that i'm sending to bruce and she goes do you want me to put it in quotations i was like yeah she's just like why did you write it down in quotations i'm like i don't know it's just that's persona <laughs> Bruce Nolan. Bruce Nolan with quotations. By the way, I, I for for those that are watching, uh, to the this side of me here, you'll see one, two, three, four, five boxes lined up on top of each other. That's how many Genesee uh, Brewing Company pine classes we've got worth, and I think each of them is about two dozen. So um, yeah, we've got plenty to get rid of. So uh, we'll also be doing some giveaways as well. So it's not just super chat bait. We'll be doing some giveaways as well over the next couple of weeks to make sure you. You pay attention uh, when we throw a good trivia question at you, which um, I believe last time I was in charge of the trivia question, Bruce, mm -hmm. and um, I think I, I I think I crushed it. It was a turmeric question, wasn't it? It was. It yeah. was absolutely a specific spice that Incredibly I was not specific. overly familiar with. Yeah. Incredibly specific. But I have the Genesee pint glass. But the problem mm -hmm. is I haven't used it yet. And the reason I haven't used it yet is because I don't have any Jenny beer to use it. So I have to go acquire some jenny beer so that i can use it for my glass so i can say i'm having a jenny beer because i would never do that on this show because i would be being i would be lying i wouldn't be being intellectually honest sure and so i have and to make sure i have one specifically i gotta have a ruby red gotta have a ruby red also i think you saw that today they did something with something with orange and grapefruit or something today yeah did you i see this across your timeline this morning thought that might have been an april fool's thing but Oh Who's no! To know? Who's to really? know? Oh, might have been. Yeah, might April have been. Fools, man! It's a worst holiday. It's the worst holiday. Can we agree that April Fools is the worst it's holiday? Not a holiday. Well, I mean, it's on the calendar every year. 
and it's written on physical calendars as a separate day. That's got to make it a holiday, right? No, it's not a holiday. I'm I'm drawing the line at 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 April Fools. Not a holiday. Uh, okay, we're gonna have to talk about this later. Right. But you know what? There's there is a holiday coming up, Nate. A really important holiday. Is that right? It's the NFL draft. Mm, that is, a or holiday. as I call it, that's Christmas. a holiday. Christmas. That's a holiday. And so, much like the NFL draft, there are certain mm-hmm. foods out there that you just schedule out. You think about them ahead of time. You say, okay, I'm ready. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. It's Friday or it's next Friday or it's the Friday after that. And you prep and you think and you dwell. Foods you schedule for is the opening ice-breaking hors d'oeuvre topic for this evening. Those of you in the comments, foods that are scheduling events for you. I'm going to go first. For me... A food I schedule for is steak, and I'll tell you why. It's the Hmm. method by which I cook steak that is making it something that is scheduling. You all know, if you've listened to me for any meaningful amount of time, I am a sous vide aficionado. And so for me, steak is not something Power to the people, Bruce. Absolutely. I don't swing home from work and grab something from the butcher and then come home and throw it on the grill. No, 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 no. I've gotten it a day ahead of time. Yep. Right. I've gotten a day ahead of time, two days ahead of time, three days ahead of time. It's in the refrigerator, drying out as much as it possibly can. You salt it, probably dry it out. Right. Age it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Then you got to start because the process takes, you know, typically two hours for me. You'd like it. I, I, I don't mind. Listen, I think you could do a quick you could do a quick turnaround. I think an hour in the sous vide is fine. But if you're really looking for the tenderness and you're really looking for that fat breakdown in the sous vide when you're making steak, two hours, I think, is really the the benchmark for me. I, for, I, but again, me, you, can get away, you can get away with one hour, but you absolutely can. It won't break down the fat in the same way. Yes, I want the rendering. And it, let's be honest, if you're not going to leave it in there long enough to render the fat, you might as well just throw just it on the grill yeah, or, or a, a hot cast iron. You know, what I mean? mm-hmm. I got something in my throat for some reason. <clears throat> think about steak. But for me, sous vide is something I schedule for, much like the NFL draft. The NFL draft is something I think about, I prepare for, I dwell on, I want to make sure it goes my way. There are certain expectations I have of it that could potentially be disappointing or exceeding expectation. So for me, the thing that I think about when I think about the draft and trying to line it up with foods that you schedule for, to me... It is particularly my method of consuming steak. Nate, what you got? So I'm not going far down the family. I'm going to stick with beef and I'm going to say corned beef and cabbage. And this is a a thing that, you know, for me, typically for folks, it's a one year, once a year, maybe twice a year. If you're getting crazy for me, um, being the corned beef aficionado that I am, this is something that I like to eat semi-regularly and or whenever I can snag one off the shelves at the at the uh, grocery store. But here's the thing, Bruce. The reason it's a plan ahead is I will plan my corned beef dinner for St. Patrick's Day months, sometimes a full year in advance, because a smart post-St. Patrick's Day corned beef shopper knows that you do not buy corned beef the week of, two weeks prior. You will pay quadruple the price for your brisket. And that's what corned beef is. It is a 
It is a salted cured brisket. And there's nothing better. We we've got uh and, and I'm sure you're familiar. And now I'm gonna forget the name of it, Bruce. It is a cast iron pot with a top. What's it called? Dutch you, oven. We make yes, Dutch oven. We make bread in it. I got um, you. But I am I'm I'm in love with the corned beef in the Dutch oven. Instead of going crock pot where you get a lot, I think you're adding too much juice or you're cooking it in its juice. And I don't like putting, I don't like boiling my corned beef. And I know a lot of people will boil corned beef. Not for me. I like it slow cooked in the oven, Dutch oven covered. Uh, and then you throw your veggies in after. But yeah, for me, I, the reason it's sort of like, you know, a scheduled or like, you know, appointment television uh, for me, corned beef is just because there is a time of year that you buy it and you get the best deal on it and you can keep it in the freezer for as long as you want and you're good to go. So for me, um, it is one of my favorite meals of the year. So I usually, I, I actually recently, I did my bargain shopping the day after St. Patrick's Day two weeks ago, Bruce. I bought a like two and a half pound brisket and I got it for like $8. It was amazing. It was amazing. The same, and, and the best part is the $8 price tag was, was stickered over the, the St. Patrick's Day price, which was $32. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, you know, there's certain times when we go through these scenarios, and I think to myself, yeah, I totally got Nate there. Like, he came in with a good one. I came in with a better one. This is not one of those times. Yours was better than mine. Your, uh, your metaphor was better than mine. Just wait till the next two. Yeah, well, are you going to beat me badly, or am I going to yeah. win? Yeah, I'm going to run away with you on the next two, particularly wow. the next one, the draft prospect one. Just wait. Wow. Okay. Well, going to the comment section, Andy Anderson is here with positive things to say, not rubbing my nose and things. Andy Anderson says, just got here. Really need this show tonight. Thanks, Bruce and Nate. I appreciate you. Thanks, Andy. I appreciate you, Andy. Andy is fantastic. Andy has been a longtime listener yes, of the show and uh, engager with the show for a long time, to Bruce exclusive as well. And tell you what, guys. This is a rough game sometimes. <clears throat> the content creation thing is sometimes rough. You know, sometimes you, you're tired. You don't really feel like mm -hmm. doing it. You're like, I don't really want to do it. And then you hop on here and Nate says a joke or two and all of a sudden you're here, you know, and you're, you're like, fully you know what? in. Yeah, I'm fully in. Let's go. So on that note, let's go to the next one. Because draft season is upon us and because food is a big part of this show. It is. Nate and I are going to do a recurring segment every single week from now until the draft. And this segment is compare a draft prospect mm -hmm. to a food. Because let's be honest, we there's lots of these you could do, Nate. And it's draft season, so I kind of feel like this needs to be like a thing for the draft. And for me, I was thinking about this and I thought, gosh, there's so many prospects you like, right? There's so many prospects yeah. you don't like. There's so many foods you like. There's so many foods you don't like. There's so many qualities about players that you can use. I mean, there's tons of things you can go out of your way to mine the depth of these metaphors. So, Nate, I'm going to let you go first. Okay. Pick a draft prospect. Make a food comparison. So, I'm going to stick with the theme of the night, which is running back. And I'm going to compare Brees Hall to Oscar-style steak. The reason I'm going to compare Brees to Oscar-style steak is because I already have the steak, right? Like a steak by itself doesn't need a lot of things. Salt, pepper, maybe a little olive oil before you put it on the cast iron, some butter in the cast iron, right? Mm. 
maybe some time, some fresh time. Otherwise, steak on its own is very good. Much like the Bills offense, it is inherently good. The Bills quarterback is one of the best two or three quarterbacks in all of football. They have one of the best wide receivers in all of football. They have one of the best young tight ends in football in Dawson Knox. And yet, the conversation around a running back persists. We'll talk more about this conversation about the running back and what it makes us feel like, Bruce. But in this particular instance, do I want to ruin a good thing? Do I want now crab and hollandaise sauce? How can it get better than that, Bruce? I mean, two of America's greatest things, hollandaise sauce and fresh lump crab. And you add it on top of something that's already so perfect. Do, do you need the Oscar style? No, you don't. But every once in a while, you go to a steakhouse and you decide in that moment, you see Oscar style at the bottom of the menu. Maybe it's you know extra $35 and you get Oscar style on your filet or on your, and that's really the only time you should, by the way, your strip steak or your filet is the only thing you should Oscar style. Please don't do it to a ribeye. You insane people just don't, don't do that. Um, but Brees Hall represents what I think is sort of a luxury to this offense. And frankly, I don't know how I feel about taking touches, taking opportunities away from guys like Stefan Diggs. So guys like Josh Allen running the football guys like, you know, Dawson Knox and, and and Devin Singletary. Do you want to take those opportunities away from them to give it to a Bryce Hall, much like you're going to contemplate whether or not you should get that Oscar style on your filet? That's not bad. Thank you. That's not bad. We'll see if I can do something. Okay. Traylon Burks. Traylon Burks is chili. Now, okay. when you talk about chili, there are so many different things that you can do with chili. You can make a beef chili. You can make a bean chili. Chili, by its definition, is really just a broth that is chili powder flavored that has stuff in it. But you've seen everybody in the world has their world famous chili. Have you noticed that? Nate? Everybody Everyone you has world to, famous chili. That's right. Everybody you know has an aunt or a grandmother or themselves who has world famous chili. Well, I'm going to have pork chili. I'm going to have beef brisket chili. Well, here's my my secret is the sirloin to the chili. It can do so many things. And really, when you think about chili, I say, oh, I'm going to have chili. Okay. But that doesn't really tell you anything. Okay, I'm going to have chili. Well, what kind of chili are you going to have? You got a bean chili? You got a beef chili? Mm. Is it really spicy chili? These are important questions. Yeah. I don't really know. But it's about chili is about what it could be, not mm -hmm. what it is. That's right. When I say I'm going to have chili, your mind might go to your favorite chili. That's what you imagine in your mind's your, your eye when I say the word chili. Of that chili, yeah. yeah. So when I say chili to 90 different people, I get 90 different individual minds' eyes that imagine a different thing when it comes to chili. By the way, Nate, did you know that there is a um, a physiological affliction? that affects your ability to be able to picture something in your head as an actual affliction that some people in the United States and around the world suffer Wait. from where they are unable to imagine things. They can't, when what? you say something, yes, that is an actual affliction. I didn't know if you knew this. No, I, that sounds insane. A fantasia. It sounds made up. Yeah. That's, that's what it's called. Yeah. Aphantasia is the, is the actual aphantasia. thing. It's a phenomenon in which people are unable to visualize things that you are telling them. You can't imagine things outside your own sense. 
and listen, unable I'll, I'll to say see this. things in their mind eye. I'll say this about this show is every Friday night, there tends to be something that I learn about you. Uh, and we've been doing this long enough where I feel like I've got a pretty good, like I'm, I got a steady hand of understanding you as my co-host on the show. Mm-hmm. And you, you constantly surprise me once a night. And, and I, and I really kind of just want to, I want to give you that because I, I, that is not something that has crossed my radar, Bruce. Well, I just want I you know, to know that there's an that entire there's an entire world out there of people <laughs> with this affliction who can't imagine chili when you tell them chili. And so for me, Traylon Burks is chili. And the reason Traylon Burks is chili is because when I say Traylon Burks to Mike Shanahan, to Kyle Shanahan, to Sean McVay, I might they might think of one thing with Traylon Burks. And when I say Traylon Burks to Ken Dorsey, they might think something completely different about Traylon Burks. But Traylon Burks isn't about what he is. He's about what he could be. And that changes very significantly based on the person you're talking to. So that's right, why Traylon Burks is chilly. You run this round. And that means more importantly, when we come back on the other side of having our guests coming up next here, our resurfacing of the running back and round one conversation is going mm-hmm. to be the duel of a lifetime. So I, I look forward to that. I should have I should have clipped up Duel of the Fates from Star Wars. To I'm make not a this Star Wars guy, so I wouldn't have known it. I wouldn't have known it. Not oh, it's the, it's guy. the famous orchestral song that goes on in the oh, episode okay. one when there's a uh, there's a, a big um, a big lightsaber battle at the end of Star Wars episode one. There's a very famous orchestral song by John Williams. There, that song is called Duel of the Fates. Okay, and so yeah, again, I learned something else today. And you know what? We're going to hold something. I have a fun fact about Duel of the Fates for the rest of you out here, but I'll remind me when we're done with the guest and we'll, we'll make sure we hit it. Surely. Because I don't want to take any time away. Surely. Because we have a guest. And when you have a guest, you want to make sure that you are giving him front, center, spotlight. You're doing all the things you need to do to make sure you're not taking away from someone who is unbelievably gracious to spend their Friday evening with us. Ladies and gentlemen, Matthew Collar from Purple Insider on the Genesee Brewery Company Hotline. Matthew, how you doing, dude? I'm good. Did you think that I would not want to hear the factoid about the John Williams score? Well, I, I thought Nate wasn't going to want to hear it, but if you want to hear it, I'll do it for you because you're the I, guest. I, I'm pretty sure he does want to hear this. Yeah. Okay, I've, well, seen, I've seen Star Wars, so let's hear it. The reason that song is called Duel of the Fates is because from a metaphor standpoint, what is happening is that if... Obi-Wan dies during that duel. The life of Hanakin Skywalker goes one direction. And if Qui-Gon Jinn, who ends up dying, dies during that, the life of Anakin Skywalker goes the opposite direction. It is literally a duel between three people, the result of which will determine the fate of the boy. It is the duel of the fates. It is specifically called that for that reason. There you go. That is fascinating. Uh, John Williams also did Jurassic Park. And their fate was getting eaten by dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> to to keep in to keep in line with our food theme, I appreciate that human as, yes, as human food. food. I, we we appreciate that. Yeah, yeah oh, we always food. always bring it. Listen, uh, collar. So tonight, um, obviously, is a good night to have you. And I actually did not do this on purpose. To, that that tonight is RJ night, right? Like they're they're putting the banner up in the rafters tonight. It's the first sellout. Probably since you've left. Um, I'm not kidding by that either. I, I'm, I'm genuinely not kidding about it. But you're a good guy to just, you know, talk about and start the show and and this segment kind of just talking about Rick Jenneret because, I, you know, let's be honest. I spent 
between I think I got home this afternoon and I put on Sabres pregame to listen to show up and bulldog. And then I moved right into the extended Sabres pregame on television so that I could watch all the highlights and, and get all the, the old highlights and, and hear the sounds and, and, and get that nostalgia. But like from your time here, and maybe this will precede you, maybe your memory or what you want to share today precedes your time working at the station. But like, what is that sort of epitome for you? That, that, that true RJ moment, um, to, uh, to commemorate what I think is one of the mo- most underrated. I said this this morning, I was on with, uh, with, with Jeremy and Joe, and I mentioned that it's too bad. He doesn't get sort of talked about in the same sentences as guys like Vin Scully and, and Harry Carey, because he has that charisma. He's just in a much smaller market than those guys, you know, obviously had when they, when they were up. Yeah. And the hockey world is just not baseball right or yeah, football yeah. um you know john madden passed away that was another legend that the world celebrated when he passed away in the madden documentary and i think in the hockey world rick Jennerette falls into that category and i guess i would just say that oh brother we are not worthy of rick mm-hmm. Jennerette. i mean uh for me he was entirely the reason that i started watching the buffalo sabers as a kid i mean him and dominic hashik that pairing of the number of preposterous saves every single game was a Dominic Hasek show because the team wasn't particularly good. And Hasek was the best goalie in the universe. And RJ would just lose his mind every single night. I mean, I remember, I remember times where uh, Hasek would come out of the net and he would slide towards somebody who was on a breakaway and he would upend them. And RJ one time lost his bleep. So can we swear on this? Uh, yeah, yeah. okay. He lost his shit to the point where he, his voice actually cracked and he just went like, ah, shit. Or whatever. And like, <laughs> it was, I mean, that, that to me though, like those broadcasters of that era of uh, the Monday night football crew, the John Madden, uh, they really brought me into sports and RJ was such a huge part of that. And as I got into the media, there's, there's less of that, right? Like it's still, sort of a magical feeling to be working with RJ in some ways, which I did, uh, you know, as part of the Buffalo Sabres radio network, there were a lot of nights where I was behind the scenes working the board and things like that. So I wasn't working directly with him, but sort of part of that broadcast and making that happen over the radio. And that was really cool considering that I had been 12 years old and, you know, trying to, you know, buy hockey pads or something to be like Dominic Hasek. Um, And he was the one where you're playing NHL breakaway 98 and you're doing the, Mm doing the RJ impression and things like that. So um, what he's meant to the organization, but also just meant to, uh, you know, forming everybody's love for the game and excitement for the game. And there's so many people who broadcast sports, how many of them ever captivate you in that way where you feel like it's a treat to listen to them. You mentioned Vince Gully. I, I would, I would say that he is in that extremely rare air where um, I saw Greg Gumble the other day said like, no one cares about the broadcaster. It's like, well, not if you grew up in Buffalo with RJ or, or maybe Van, not or, anymore. Or Van Miller. Yeah. Right. Maybe not anymore, but that definitely has not been the case for a long, long time in professional sports and, and probably what Gumble and I know exactly the, the interview you're talking about it and probably the, the transition away from everyone having a radio in their home and having to hear the game be described to them where now you get a lot of storytelling and when, when you're listening to broad or when you're watching broadcasts on television and that kind of just goes with people can watch what's happening. You don't have to tell them on TV, the play by play of what's happening. And, and I think that was always the unique part about our broadcast too, Matt was that we were simulcasting from radio to TV. So it was like getting to listen to the radio 
and watch the TV at the same time, which is not exactly that. That's not something that happens in every market. Right. And uh, now with play-by-play broadcasters, they often want them to be much more conversational during the game. So it was much less the plays that were happening uh, that it was. So let's talk about what the, you know, how they're coaching or the storylines behind the team and things like that. That's a modern broadcast, but with RJ and doc Emmerich was this way too. It was the play by play, which Mm -hmm. I thought made it very unique, but also, you know, when I was in college, uh, that was around the time that they would go into the Easter conference finals back to back years. And I didn't have cable. And so I just brought in the radio or bought, or I think I bought one or I had a small radio or something and brought it up to my room. And I was just listening to every moment of all of that through RJ because I couldn't afford cable and couldn't mm. watch it on TV. And I would say that was one of the best experiences of listening to, or, or just engaging with sports in any way was listening to him. I mean, I, I can specifically remember where I was listening to him when Drury scored his goal. And, uh, you know, the call is just, it's just perfect. It's just legendary. So, I mean, there, there are very few people who, who I think capture the magic of sports in that way. And, um, you know, RJ will be missed because of that, but man, I mean, what, what an incredible legacy to have left behind him. Well, given the fact that I have so unbelievably little to say about the Sabres because <laughs> I, I'm not a hockey guy, I'm just sitting here going, wow, this, this RJ guy sounds really cool. <laughs> he was, he yeah, really or he cool. is. Yeah. So in the interest of trying to steer the conversation in a direction where I will have something meaningful to contribute, at least let's at least go with Matthew's specialty. And that's the Minnesota Vikings. Sure, I like want to ask you specifically about the direction of the Vikings this offseason, because I feel like with a lot of Vikings fans, you came into this offseason with the idea that this was maybe a pivot point for the franchise based on what you decided to do with Kirk Cousins. And you look at other franchises around the league. You look at the Falcons, you look at the Panthers specifically, and I would look at where they're at right now, and I would consider them to be directionless. That's the word I would use. The Panthers have no idea where they're going. You probably have a lame duck coaching staff. The Falcons are like, well, we dabbled into Sean Watson and then we got rid of Matt Ryan, but now we got Marcus Mariota and we, we drafted a tight end when we could have drafted a quarterback. And now we're at a spot. Now we might have to draft a quarterback in a class we don't really want. And so you have directionless franchises, but then you have the Minnesota Vikings who got to pick their direction a little bit this off season. They got to pick it and they picked another year or two of Kirk cousins with Kevin O'Connell. That's what they picked, right? That's correct. How, yeah. Um, how are you feeling about that? And then how are the Vikings fans feeling about that? I mean, I feel fine because I'll just continue to cover the team either way, but the Vikings fans are not fine. <laughs> they are uh, very angsty about this. In fact, maybe the most angsty that they have been since I moved here in uh, 2016 to cover the team, because uh, I don't know if you've ever heard the, um, the Jay-Z song where he says, I went to the fork in the road and I went straight. Like that's this team where you had this opportunity to either let's go all in on the last year of Kirk cousins and bring in an offensive coach and sign some linemen and sign some receivers and just go crazy on offense and defense be damned. Let's see if we could just go nuts. Well, they didn't do that. Uh, they just signed two backup level guards to compete for the right guard position. They've added no weapons. And uh, they've kept their 32-year-old receiver who's been injured two of the last three years. So that's not super exciting for them. Uh, They lost a bunch of players on defense and replaced them with 
players that are basically the same guys. So you lose Michael Pierce, you bring in Harrison Phillips. I mean, just a lot of shrugs there. And then Kwesi Adafo Mensa, their new general manager, who was touted as the analytics GM, um, says that they're in the middle of a competitive rebuild, but there's no rebuild part. The only rebuild part, I guess, is that he hasn't traded a first round pick for anybody. Uh, I don't consider that to be rebuilding. Keeping your own picks and drafting players is not rebuilding. Uh, they have hurt themselves actively with the salary cap by adding void years to contracts, including Kirk Cousins. If Kirk Cousins isn't here in 2024, he will still make $12 million on the Viking salary cap. Teams that usually do that are like, the New Orleans Saints with the final years of Drew Brees. That's why you add void years to be able to stack up your roster and take one last shot at the Super Bowl. And this team has not come within sniffing distance of the Super Bowl. And I mean, a lot of times, not even the playoffs over the last four years with Kirk Cousins as their quarterback. And I just, I've called it the make it make sense offseason. I just don't get it. I don't understand why they would come in and do all of the same things. But what we've come around to is that it seems like it's an ownership decision because their former GM Rick Spielman has been on a media tour doing lots of interviews and keeps dropping breadcrumbs about disconnects between the coaches and owners. And well, you, you know, the owners really like star players, so you have to try and talk them out of it. Or like he's given all these sort of uh, cryptic hints that ownership was forcing him to do certain things, which I guess after I got fired, I would do the same thing too, blame somebody else. But uh, it's kind of making sense that that might be the case. And that has left them in the total abyss to the point where the only thing that Vikings fans have to grip onto is maybe the possibility that Mike Zimmer was a really bad coach. Do we think Mike Zimmer was a really bad coach? No, I don't think so. I think yeah. he ran his course. And I think that he had some serious downsides to him, uh, including like not being modern with game management and somehow sometimes how he treated players and things like that. But do we think he was a bad coach that if you hire somebody else, you get a huge upgrade? I have a really tough time buying that. So I guess I, I, I won't sit here and ask you to sort of justify or find the other the other view or lens on this. But I, I guess I might ask you something along the lines of, do you think the Vikings looked at themselves in the mirror going into this season, talking about a competitive rebuild, looked at the landscape of the NFC at large and said, let's let the AFC tear each other up during the playoffs. We can find our way into a playoff position in this NFC where there really is just a mishmash of there's a couple of teams at the top with very old veteran quarterbacks, Tampa Bay, Green Bay no longer has Devontae Adams. Now these decisions were not made because the Green Bay Packers were trading Devontae Adams, they came secondarily. So they assumed that Green Bay was going to be as good as they were last year and still made the decisions that they made. So I guess what I'll ask is, is the landscape of the NFC making teams that very clearly should be looking to turn the page, determining uh, maybe we shouldn't in the sake of competitive balance. And right now this, this conference is sort of ripe for the taking. Yeah. Uh, well, when Aaron Rodgers came back, um, I think that any thought of that should have been over. Like you're not winning the division as long as Aaron Rodgers is here. I don't care who plays receiver for them because I've seen Aaron Rodgers throw four touchdowns to just about anybody. And uh, I didn't see any sign of fading. I got an up close view twice at the end of last year of Aaron Rodgers 
uh, with injured little toe at all. And he was absolutely marvelous. And I wouldn't expect anything less with him coming back and continuing to be motivated to try to get that second Super Bowl and outdo Brett Favre, which I think is kind of the reason he keeps coming back. Um, but once that happened, that Packers roster is also still very, very good. Their coach is very good. He's won 13 games, three straight years. I mean, these are things that the Vikings, I mean, think about this. Matt LaFleur has three 13 win seasons. The Minnesota Vikings have three 13 win seasons since uh, the eighties. I mean, really like that. They, they have been nowhere close to that, to, to 13 win seasons and being legitimately competitive. So if they did think that, which I think that your theory is, is fair, but if they did think that, I think they're clueless because they won eight games last year, but really it's seven because they played a meaningless game at the end of the year and they have holes still all over the field or they need things to go right. That just, what are the odds of them really going right? Like they need Kevin O'Connell to be way better at offense than they have been in previous years. They need cousins who is coming off his highest PFF grade ever in his career to be better than that. They need, an offensive line that's still kind of taped together with glue and, and pay and paper clips. They need that to be good. They need a defense that they've just sort of picked off the bottom barrel to step up and be better than it was under Mike Zimmer, who by the way, is one of the best defensive coaches in the league. And all these things just don't really add up. And when you look at it too, it's like, well, the Rams didn't get bad. Suddenly did they all that Aaron Donald's going to retire? Well, he didn't. So they're still good. And I mean, San Francisco, I'm not sure exactly what they're doing. Maybe they end up with Tom Brady. I don't know, but like there's, there's a lot of teams here. Arizona should be back. It should be very good at green Bay. There's no reason the Dallas Cowboys should completely fall off. And the minute you think everybody is bad, somebody shows up and surprises you in the NFL. The giants could surprise you. The Chicago bears could certainly surprise you in the second year of a rookie quarterback in Justin Fields. If he's much better, like I, I think Detroit, I don't think they're going to win the division, but I think they win six or seven and uh, one or two could be you. If you're the Vikings, because you have weaknesses enough, but the ownership here does not look at it as Super Bowl or busts. They look at it as let's try to make the playoffs. And that seems to be their goal every year. And when that's your goal, then you're not rolling the dice on playing a rookie quarterback. You're just sticking with what you know. The, the irony of that is that Kirk Cousins hasn't made the playoffs in the majority of his careers as a starter. <laughs> I mean, that's the funny thing about you know, trying to sort of stay this course and just hope to get in the postseason and then wish and pray that you, I don't know, block some punts for the Green Bay Packers or something. I, yeah, it's, I think that like you're barking up the right tree for what ownership might think, but I think it's an extremely, extremely flawed way of thinking. I got to ask you, Matthew, am I the only person in the world who's fairly optimistic about Kirk Cousins in a new offensive system? Because I feel like sometimes I'm taking crazy pills and I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of Jared Goff is what I'm thinking of. Okay. And I'm thinking of Jared Goff in a system like they ran when he played the Rams and how they were able to manufacture things. I'm thinking Kirk Cousins is a more naturally gifted player, I think, than Jared Goff is. And I think, okay, if you can get a good season out of Jared Goff, I mean, the Vikings have weapons. They have Adam Thielen. They have Justin Jefferson. I'm excited to see what Irv Smith can do now that he's back. I I think I was excited for Irv Smith last year before he got hurt. Am I the only one out here who is optimistic about Kirk Cousins when he doesn't have Mike Zimmer as a coach, or am I just completely off the rocker? Well, I think that that's what people are trying to be optimistic about because fans have to grip onto something. But the shortcoming of that angle is they already had a system that was doing all of the things that you can do to prop up a quarterback with limited physical ability. So they were running 
over the last three years. Remember, it's not just last year. I mean, this is Kirk Cousins has been here for four years, and in three of them, he's had a Kubiak type of system, including being run by two Kubiaks, not even just one. And I mean, Kevin Stefanski, Gary Kubiak, Clint Kubiak, everything was about running bootlegs, getting him clean pockets, making everything as easy as it could be. And oh, by the way, he's been throwing to Justin Jefferson. They didn't add Justin Jefferson. He's already been throwing. In fact, he's been throwing to great wide receivers for his entire career, and it's usually the same results. I think that uh, where you can really see this in the numbers, Pro Football Focus broke down all of his passes from the first read, second read, check down, scramble, right? And Anything that was the first read, Cousins was one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. That makes sense, right? And to me, that says the offensive system that they had for his passing game was working. Anything else, he might as well have been Taysom Hill. Like in their in their chart, he was similar to Taysom Hill when he was asked to do anything except for make the first read. I don't know how you scheme that. That's sort of the whole point, right? <laughs> Is that quarterbacks today, and nobody knows this better than Buffalo Bills fans, so many times have to just do something special. And the problem that Kirk Cousins always runs into is that that special is just not there. He's not six foot six and 240 pounds with a monster rocket arm. He's not gutsy like Case Keenum was. He's one of the more conservative quarterbacks in the NFL. They were 24th and third down percentage in part because of that. Um, you know, it, it's like these fundamental flaws that keep Cousins with a limited ceiling. It's very Alex Smithian of Kirk mm -hmm. Cousins. And I think that there's always been this. As long as I've ever covered Kirk Cousins, uh, and even going back to when they first signed him, there's always been people saying, well, th you see, all they needed to do was and what they really should have done. So I have kind of started calling him the imagination land quarterback because every offseason we imagine a land where he's different and then he isn't. And there's a really fundamental thing, too, that happens with Cousins. Go look at his QBRs from game to game last year. And what you're going to see is this crazy roller coaster where he's really good early in the season and really poor late in the season. Every year that I've covered him, that's the case. So when his final numbers come out, box score numbers or even PFF grades, you go, wow, like it looks like he had a good season, but he only gave you like seven really good games, but they were really, really good. And then the rest was kind of hit or miss or really poor. And you lost because of it. And that has always been who he is. And I think that even, even if he was blessed with a better defense and great coaching and everything else, we've kind of seen that too. I mean, he took over a team that went to the NFC championship and won eight games the next year. I mean, I just like, there's just no, there's no avenue that you can think of to be like, but what if they just, they've tried it, it's been done. And so it really comes down to, do you get, if you're trying to really compete, do you get lucky bounces? Does your defense take a huge step forward? Do you have a super easy schedule, which they're projecting to kind of have an easy schedule? Those are the things that you have to rely on. And Usually when a quarterback is like that, you don't pay them $30 million a year, $35 million a year next year, and then add void years to yeah. make sure you can keep them. You're usually looking to replace that quarterback. I'm not saying Kirk Cousins is awful. I'm not saying that at all. He does a lot of things really, really well. But for $30, $35 million to restrict what you could do around him, it's just never been a winning formula. So it's hard for me to believe that suddenly it becomes that because Kevin O'Connell knows Sean McVay.
Yeah, it sort of feels like, you know, teams won't trade for Baker Mayfield because his contracts has got an $18 million guaranteed cap hit. And you see Kirk Cousins and you sort of feel like you're watching that Spider-Man gif of Spider-Man just pointing at himself, except one guy is making $35 million. The other guy's making 18 and someone is supposed to make it make sense, but nobody can. So I think that's that's sort of the situation. I want to end on this, Matthew, and ask you two final questions and just sort of touched on one, which is, uh, the Case Keenum thing. And Case Keenum now, uh, the Bills traded for Case Keenum this offseason, brought him in as their primary backup, which I, I, I love in a lot of ways. Um, this is a team that values backup quarterbacks um, maybe more than I can remember a team that I have covered or watched or or paid attention to has coveted and and wanted and values their their input and in, in what they do um, for Josh Allen on the sidelines when you don't have necessarily have your offensive coordinator there on the sidelines, that backup quarterback becomes very valuable. So I want to get your thoughts on him. But I, there's also this level of like getting, trying to encapsulate a little bit of, of what it's like leaving Buffalo when you did, when we're sort of in the midst of like, I don't know, it's the Rex Ryan kind of come up, but also not really a come up at all. Uh, it's sort of the fake come up a little. And and sort of following and going to a franchise, to a team to cover, that almost has the exact blueprint of issues that the team you left has now as uh, is, is now I think risen from, um, you know, I, so in that, I guess it's a long form of saying like, what does Josh Allen do for you when, when you watch him and, 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 and how does having to cover Kirk cousins differ from Kevin Cobb or uh, Brian Brom or uh, Trent Edwards or JP Lossman or, you know, name, you know, whatever you want to name, but I, I guess, so the Case Keenum point, but also sort of watching from afar this specimen um, do a lot of things in the face of really – by the way, the people that hated Josh Allen, these are not dumb people. These are mostly the smartest people in the room that use analytics that in a lot of places people should be using analytics. They, they don't. These were all the people saying, what are the Bills doing? And to do what he's done in the face of literal mathematics – um, I, 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 I'd love to kind of get your, your, your overall sentiment on that as well. Well, first you forgot Jeff tool and Thad Lewis, ah! and I think you should be disappointed in yourself for yeah, that. No, I, I am. Um, Listen, so when it's this good, man, you forget about a lot of the, uh, a lot of the, sh the, I don't have a good word for what that whole decade and a half was, but you know, yeah, yeah. when I left, they hadn't made the playoffs still in 20 years. So, you know, it, but I of course kept track of it and of, of how they rebuilt to be at this point. And it really is because of Josh Allen and only Josh Allen. And if Thad Lewis is your quarterback the last two years, you're winning seven games because that's the NFL. And I think that what has been difficult to cover this offseason with the Vikings is that you don't have to look that hard to find teams who have succeeded by building up a pretty decent roster trying to fix their culture and then getting the quarterback to drop into that and just hitting the gas and going from there. Yeah. And the bills making the move to get Stefan Diggs is exactly kind of what the Rams were doing to trade for Matt Stafford and to sign Odell Beckham. Like when you see your window open, you have to go all in, but the window actually has to be there. And usually that cracked, right. Yeah, it's got, it's got to be built into the building. <laughs> right. Right. And usually that comes down to who your quarterback is. And then you try to put as much around them, but I think there's another part. There's a lesson to be learned from Josh Allen, which is, and we should have never lost sight of this, but always and forever giant men with huge arms 
who are really fast and good leaders and really tough will win football games at quarterback. There are not that many of them. And uh, he reminds me a lot really with, with more leadership qualities, probably uh, as a, as a very similar Dante Culpepper type where sometimes it can be a little ugly, but the man has very, very special physical tools. And that's what we see from pretty much all of the superstar quarterbacks of this kind of era that we're coming into. Now, the previous one, you had your Brady, you had your Manning. So everybody went like, oh yeah, it should be accuracy and processing and everything else. But you sort of forgot like what Michael Vick did, right? And, and there were many physical freak quarterbacks or even a Joe Flacco and or Eli Manning who weren't perfect, but had these humongous arms, like always and forever. Terry Bradshaw, Joe Namath, like wh- whatever era you want. And that's, I think with Kirk Cousins, one of the things that you keep coming back to is he's on an expensive contract. They've built around Josh Allen on the rookie contract and taken advantage of it. That's part of it. The physical tools that when you need something special, it's there because the guy has it. That's been missing uh, with Cousins. And it feels extremely Tyrod Taylor-ish here, where it feels like right now we're in the Rex Ryan. Oh, it was the bad man, Doug Marone's fault. You remember all that, Uh which look, a lot of it was. And the same thing goes for Zimmer, where you go, well, a lot of it was, but the guy wasn't an idiot. He was just kind of like, really not good at handling people, but Doug Marone knew football and he knew that EJ Manuel couldn't play football. And so they come in, they go with Tyrod Taylor. You get all these numbers, people going, but look at his quarterback rating. And like, but watch how they're playing him. It's the same thing that Bruce was asking about, about the system. Like if you have to baby somebody that comes to an end at some point. And with Tyrod, it would always be that way. It'd be like, all right, you need a game-winning drive from Tyrod to get in the playoffs, and that's not there again because that's when the quarterback has to make his biggest plays. That's what Josh Allen does at the playoffs. That's when Patrick Mahomes responds in 13 seconds. Sorry, guys. But, like, that's the reality of the league, and it will not change. And uh, I feel like the Vikings have very much put themselves in a situation where if all of that stuff with O'Connell in the system doesn't just – like shoot them to the moon, they are going to set themselves back and eventually just have to live in reality. I've called it the natural tank where the world just forces you to tank. I mean, you just, your players get old and your quarterback didn't work out and it's the natural tank and they may end up there. So yeah, I mean, I've used Buffalo many, many times as an example of this is what you should be aiming for. And of course everyone comes back. What if you become the jets? Well, I don't know, man, what works every time in sports, nothing. But mm. what gives you a chance to be competitive? The one thing that does. Actu- right, yeah. for an actual Super Bowl, and that's hitting on a rookie quarterback contract and then stacking everything you can around it, and then all that other stuff matters. But right now, it's like, if Kevin O'Connell is 5% better than Clint Kubiak, does that get you what? Does that get you an- another win? I mean, yeah. maybe you go from 8 to 9, 9 to 10. What difference does it make? Who cares? And so I, I think that that's what's the hardest for the Vikings fans. And also even for covering the team, if instead of when they sign a player who's going to fill a role for them, where you're like, oh, this is big guys. Like they're filling spots. They're going for it. It's like, yeah, I don't know. Is that going to do anything? You know what I mean? Like Patrick Peterson the other night. Is that going to do something? I don't know. Maybe. But the reality is you're still stuck in the middle and you probably always will be until the natural tank takes over. 
Matthew, uh, for, for both Bruce and I, we appreciate you being so gracious with your time on a Friday evening joining the show. Uh, I know a lot of the listeners and the watchers here that will be listening afterwards and watching currently live all appreciate you. Uh, miss you, obviously, in a weird, you know, kind of nostalgic way. Uh, I definitely miss you next time you find yourself around town and or if I find myself in Minneapolis, I'll make sure that I uh, that I hit you up and uh, and we grab uh we, we grab some sort of food and or beverage and talk about football because uh, I, I miss doing it with you, man. I think it's okay to miss your friends, Nate. It's fine. I, I, I do. I, it's, I miss. Not, it's not well, weird I, to miss your friends. It was. It, it, it's not weird to miss your friends, but I was going to say I, I actually miss your wife more because she's more talented. That's, and now that is not a, okay to say. He is. <laughs> I I'll say this. Um, Sloan was probably so when I was at the station, and for those that know, uh, Matthew's wife also worked at the radio station with both of us when I was kind of coming through, and she was the voice of UB women's basketball, and I board operated for her for two and a half years or whenever it was. Um, and you know, people at the other and you you were talking about how you were on a lot of Sabres broadcasts. People on the other end of the microphone when you're a producer aren't always like super nice and gracious all the time um, i know i know who you're talking about when you say that and i won't <laughs> yes. say it but i know no. who you're talking about correct and uh sloan could not have been any opposite of that i mean just such an absolute sweetheart and she's super talented and and on her way up into the w WNBA for the minnesota lynx uh so congratulations to her tell her i say hi and thanks again man we, we really do appreciate you brother yeah i appreciate that oh and well sorry one last thing this is what we call minnesota goodbye uh, where you just keep talking and don't ever say goodbye. But I forgot to, <laughs> I forgot to answer what you asked about Case Keenum. Oh, yes, Case Keenum. Yes, Case yes, Keenum. Yes, so yes, I'll just throw that in yeah. there, and then you guys can finish your Star Wars conversation. But uh, <laughs> no, Case Keenum, is. I would describe him as this, an absolute A-plus pro quarterback. Like, the he will know his role. He will take it seriously. He will be helpful to whatever you need. And if someone gets hurt in the middle of a game, in the beginning of a game, he has to play six games. He has to play one half. He is going to be ready to do it. And he's going to give you a shot and he's gutsy and he's got a big heart. And I think that uh, he could pretty much handle just about anything. And you look what he did for Cleveland last year. Mayfield gets hurt. He comes in. Look what he did for the Vikings. I mean, a, a pressure situation and, and takes them deep in the playoffs. So uh, yeah, I think that Case Keenum, even though he's not somebody that you'd want to start a whole season with uh, Super Bowl aspirations, he is an A plus for a backup quarterback. So there awesome, you go. Man. Uh, well, thank you for answering both questions like a true professional. Uh, we appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of your night, man, and enjoy this upcoming season. I'm sure you and I will be be chatting before uh, before long. All right. Sounds good, Nate. Thanks for having Thanks, me. Thanks, my friend. And, and Matthew Bruce, Collar Bruce. there. Yes. And and to Bruce, of course, who, you know, sort of just went off into the background, which is what he normally does during the show anyways. Uh, so Matthew Collar there from the Purple Insider. We appreciate him as always. And that call on the Genesee Hotline is brought to you by, you guessed it, the Genesee Brewing Company. Look for Jenny Kolsch. That's right. In stores, in bars, and restaurants today. Genesee Beer, brewed for generations. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. 
And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You know, I don't know what you want me to say. Like, where, where, where do you want me to come into that conversation? I don't, don't. I mean, I'm just sitting here doing my job, trying you to don't. monitor the comments, trying to keep the banners right. You know, I'm doing the thing right. I'm supposed to be doing. Right. How about that little Star Wars bit, though? That's a pretty good Star Wars bit. Yeah, again, I, I can't hold the conversation because I just I know nothing of Star Wars. I, I literally have not watched one minute of any Star Wars. We are behind. We are so behind, Nate. We have okay. so we, much to get to so far. Right, let's go. Come on. Food simile. The resurfacing running back in round one talk for the Bills makes me feel like you go first. All right, sure. Um, I am. Um, so I, I should reenact it for the people that are watching at home. Sounds fantastic. All right, I'm sliding into my booth. I'm going to get my big giant diner menu. Oh, the first thing. You know what they say? The, you know what the featured item on the diner menu is tonight, Bruce? Uh, no. Diner? Belgian Belgian waffle. And that Belgian waffle stares you in the face every single time you go to a diner. And you rarely get it because, A, you know that everyone, you can basically, you can make your own Belgian waffle. It's not different anywhere you go. But a perfectly cooked Belgian waffle can be really good, and it can really hit the spot. But when I go to a diner, Bruce, and I'm there for breakfast, I have this inherent need of getting both something savory and sweet. And almost always my sweet is two buttermilk pancakes because I love buttermilk pancakes, and I believe that is what can complement any savory breakfast dish. Usually mine will be, like, as long as it's good, Biscuits and gravy. As long as I know the place I'm going, which I saw that you posted a picture on Instagram of biscuits and gravy. So I wanted to bring that into the equation as well. But what it's like, Bruce, is having your normal go-to diner breakfast, which is one sweet, one savory. But do you throw in that Belgian waffle? Because again, when it's cooked properly and it's not overly crispy and they don't overcook it and it soaks up all that syrup. Maybe you throw some fresh fruit on there, a little cinnamon sugar. That can be a damn good thing. But is it better than pancakes for me? Is it better than drafting receiver? No. Is it better than getting your biscuits and gravy? Is it better than filling a hole like drafting a cornerback will do? I would say no. And I'll probably just do what I always do, which is consider it, talk about it. I might even bring it up in conversation to the person sitting across me. The Belgian waffle you see it on the menu? Ah, not going to get it. That's how, that's the food symbol we're going with today. The Belgian waffle. Really good. Really good. Another very strong one from Nate. Let's see how I do. To me, the running back in round one conversation is like going to the Burger King 30 minutes away when there's a Burger King three minutes away. (laughs) Because here's the reason why that's so crazy, right? There are plenty of good reasons to go to a Burger King 30 minutes away, right? Maybe... They always get the fries right at that Burger King. 
Maybe that's what it is. Maybe there's a cute girl there who smiles at you and you're single and you think, hey, you know, maybe uh, I could go see my friend Janine there. Do people still call each other? Is, is that still a name that people use? I feel like that dates me if I call a woman. I think Janine, it does date but, you, yes. Yeah, okay. So I'm old. So maybe that's the reason you go there. But the fact of the matter is you have a burking three minutes from your house. And I recognize that there may be a difference because you never know. The franchise owner, we all know that. You always have that one good place and that one very similar place, but not quite as good. Well, I don't want to go to that Taco Bell. That Taco Bell is terrible. Let's go to the other Taco Bell. That one's better. We all know that. But is it as big of a difference as 27 minutes of driving and gas one way? No, absolutely not. There is no benefit that you could get from that Burger King 30 minutes away that will then make it worth the extra 27 minutes of driving one way, 27 minutes back, that hour out of your day that you could have used on something else because time is an opportunity cost. So there's opportunity cost. And at the end of the day, maybe that Burger King is a little bit better than the Burger King you can get three minutes from your house. Maybe that's true. But it's uh, not going to be that much better. It's not going to be better enough to offset the cost of the extra 27 minutes there, 27 minutes back, the extra time, the extra gas, the extra small talk you got to go through. Because some people don't like being in the car with their spouse having small talk. I happen to enjoy that. But for those people who don't, you can't possibly have the gap between the three-minute Burger King and the 30-minute Burger King be significant enough to make it worth the trip. That is how the running back in round one talk makes me feel. Bruce, I have to ask you a question. All right. Have, have you have you driven 30 minutes to go to a Burger King before? Nate, it's very important that you know that I have lived in ooh, 19 places in my life. Again. I have, moved, I have moved 18 times. And at one point, or now, or last time, or the time before that, I lived in the middle of nowhere. Okay. Nate. Like nowhere, nowhere. Like it's 35 minutes to the closest town kind of nowhere. Right? Like we're... You, 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 that, that's the closest place All you right. can get. So yes, I have driven 30 minutes to a Burger King. I am not going to tell you when or where or how, but yes, at one point in my life, I have driven 30 minutes one way to go to a Burger King. It's happened. It's okay. a real thing. All, you right. know, all my food similes are based in fact. I, that's why I asked it in such a polite way. Cause I just didn't want to assume you have at one point driven 30 minutes to get your Burger King fixed. But I certainly have because you I know, really small it. towns in America, really small towns. They all have a subway. We all know that yeah. every really small town has a subway, every single one, Yeah, but they don't always have fast food. So sometimes yeah, subways, just, subway is not a, a subway does not count. New for really for anything. Subway does not count for anything. My definition of fast food is has a drive through. That's my definition. Oh, so for me, you've really brought you've brought a topic to discussion here. We're going to we're going to talk about it next time. We're going to talk about next time. Definition of fast food. We're going to talk on it. It's going to happen because I think Panera has a drive through in a lot of cases, and that makes it fast food and immediately pushes it up to the, the tippity top of the fast food rankings. I just want to point out that David S is in the comments section right now, quoting the rules from the movie <laughs> Zombieland. 
I just want to just throw this out there that David S has been doing this all night long, and it's, I'm, I'm trying really hard not to like snort laugh. But he's like, Rule 31, check the back seat. Rule 32, enjoy the little things. Rule 17, don't be a hero. Rule number one, by the way, is cardio. It's cardio, 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 cardio. We skipped rule one 15 years ago, Bruce. Okay, moving along. We have a mailbag question to get to tonight. Let's do it. And we are going to go with Andy Landowski. And Andy Landowski sends me a note and says, Nate, Bruce, what is the ideal protein for a taco? Oh. Fill in the blank. The ideal protein for a taco is, and I'm going to go first because I want to give Nate an opportunity to think about it because I've seen the, the, the email before now, and he has not seen the email. Okay. The answer is carnitas. It's got to be carnitas because it's the one protein that is almost synonymous with tacos. I mean, how often do you say, well, I'm going to have carnitas pasta. I'm going to have carnitas on a sandwich. I'm going to have carnitas in some other form. No, it's almost always in a taco. It is the quintessential taco Mm. protein. So for me, carnitas is absolutely the answer. But I'm going to give it to you, Nate. Good on you, my friend. Uh, I'm not going to say carnitas. But I'm going to stick in the pork family. I believe pork is the proper meat to put on a taco. I'm just going to tell you it's pastor. And the reason I'm going to tell you El Pastor is my taco protein of choice. When you got the pineapple in there and you mm, get the, the smoky cilantro. seasoning, the cilantro, and a little bit of drip of lime. Mm, yeah, El Pastor to me is is the answer. But I, I appreciate that both of us are, are on the pork train here and not beef, which I think is kind of a sellout to me. Because... Beef is fine. Beef is delicious. You will never, neither one of us will ever say that beef doesn't have a place at my dinner table every single night of the week. But what I will say is, Bruce, there are very few true standalone pork dishes, right? Pork chops, eh, right? I mean, they're just, eh. Tenderloin. Uh, yeah, okay, meh, eh. I like tenderloin, it's fine. But like, it's definitely not something I'm like, I'm writing home to Ma about. The thing about shredded pork, slow cooked pork, is you can make it into really anything. Beef, there are so many variations of what you're going to do with beef. Now I get it, bacon, right? Like there's small things that you can do with pork. But when it's the star of the show, it's not always it's not always easy to find a good star of the show with a pork dish. So that's why, to me, El Pastor has got to be your, your, your best taco for sure. The fact taco that we protein. both went with pork, I think speaks a lot to our our culinary. I would also say this too, Bruce. When I'm going somewhere and I'm getting tacos from an authentic Mexican place, do you know what I'm doing? Just just because I'd like to, in, in solidarity, and my brethren, wrap my arm around you and say, I normally get one carnitas and one al pastor. So good the on way it should them. be done. As the Once my wife went out of town a couple months ago, it was long, actually, no, more than a couple months, might have been almost a year ago. She went out of town for a while. And before she left, she made a gigantic pot of carnitas with a gigantic stack of corn tortillas and some avocado. And she said, hey, have fun. And I'll be darned if I didn't absolutely annihilate that entire pot of pork carnitas while she was gone. Just been there. We'll do that. We'll I was that. a winner that weekend. Mm-hmm. And now we have a winner in the NFL this week, like we normally do. 
So winners and losers to close out the show, ladies and gentlemen. And for me, my winner this week was Browns cornerback Denzel Ward. While Hmm. all of the wide receivers started licking their chops at the escalation of the market, Denzel Ward was very happy to see the contract that just got signed by Miami Dolphins corner Xavier Howard. For me, it's interesting to take a look at the offseason around the NFL because every year the market ebbs and flows at specific positions. For a long time, the cornerback market didn't really move. It didn't move much at all. And then all of a sudden, the Bills jumped on Tredavious White, and then it was Jalen Ramsey, and everybody was like, okay, here we go, here we go, here we go. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Darius Slay was like, okay, I was kind of getting the ball rolling a little bit. The Ravens got involved. People got involved. Now, the wide receiver market, this offseason, has really taken off. And so, the backup tight end market got crazy in the NFL this week, this year. Sorry. It It was insane. But for me, if I'm Denzel Ward's representation, I'm feeling some sort of way, the same way that Tyreek Hill's representation felt when they saw the Devontae Adams deal, which is, okay, the number has now changed. The market has now changed. I want that. If you were the Browns and you were negotiating with Denzel Ward, you did a colossal facepalm the second Xavier Howard's numbers came out. So the biggest winner for me, Denzel Ward. I'll go Bobby Wagner. Uh, Bobby Wagner's 31 years old. He was given a five-year deal as an off-linebacker. I don't really need to go into any more detail. That is the biggest win maybe of the century. Good for Bobby Wagner. I like Bobby Wagner as the player. He is not a five-year, what 50, whatever it is. I I think it's going to end up basically being the same contract Von Miller got. I think that Bobby Wagner is the most underappreciated player of this era. He's a great player. I think he's a Hall of Famer in the first ballot. Agreed. Um, I was doing a a podcast with Pat Moran not too long ago. I think a little bit. Yeah, he's He's lost lost a little bit of a step. I think for sure. Just not not, not Um, a guy you want to give five years to. Also, I think that that defense has a chance to hide a little bit of the fact that he lost a step. Mm. Because, you know, Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald, yeah. And whatnot. Biggest loser this week. Nate, I'm going to let you go first. All right, biggest loser this week. The Los Angeles Rams were paying an off linebacker for a five-year contract. <laughs> Come on. I, I, it's the win slash loss mirror. A, I do it every week, I think. Okay. So for me, biggest loser this week. Every GM who is currently negotiating with a quarterback. I made a meme about it on Twitter. I said every single GM is going to give Andrew Barry of the Cleveland Browns the side eye this week and go, what did you do? What did you do? Five years, $230 million, fully guaranteed. The market for quarterbacks has philosophically and seismically changed. Forever. Because of what the Browns did. And every single agent is going to go, dude, their dude was facing 22 counts of sexual misconduct and hasn't played football in a year. My guy was MVP two years ago. If you're Lamar Jackson's agent, who is, mind you, Lamar Jackson, getting advice from his mom. So if you're Lamar Jackson, you're like, oh, okay. huh? 
If you're like anybody, if you are the Bengals or the Chargers and you're like, uh, oh, you got to be kidding me. Couldn't you have waited like five seconds until I got a, 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 a deal done with Burrow and Herbert? Couldn't you have waited five seconds for me to finish this up? Because now the question is going to be how hard do you push if you're a GM to try and convince your agent and your agent's client that the contract should be treated like an outlier? Like, listen, nobody's going to do that again. Right. Because the last time we got a fully guaranteed quarterback deal was, ironically enough, now we're all coming back because I like to tie things together, Kirk Cousins, three years, $90 million, fully guaranteed when he signed with the Vikings. Guess what? That didn't move the needle for it fully didn't. guaranteed quarterback contracts yeah. because everyone was like, well, it's Kirk Cousins and the Vikings, then they're crazy. But this is the Browns, and it's Deshaun Watson. And it's five years, and people are even more desperate for quarterbacks than they were when they gave Kirk Cousins $90 million guaranteed. So, for me, biggest loser, every single GM in the league who is trying to get a quarterback deal done. Yep. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I We talked about this a little bit last week with Deshaun Watson. I, I just, I genuinely... Somebody said it this week, and I'll forget the guy that said it on TV, but something along the lines of wrong guy, wrong time. And I will agree to that, that eventually, Bruce, a quarterback was going to get paid that kind of money. It was the wrong guy, and it was the wrong time for the Cleveland Browns. How do you think Patrick Mahomes is feeling about signing a 10-year deal and having him locked up for that long? He's like, I think he's fine. Wow. He's okay. He's going to see every cent. Uh, he's going to just like Josh Allen. He and Josh are going to see every penny of their contracts. The very rare few people. It may not be fully guaranteed. They'll see every penny of it. Ladies and gentlemen, we did it. We, we did. did all of the things. Once again, we somehow got through every single thing we wanted to get through. Wasn't I have no easy. idea how we do this. Wasn't easy. Wasn't easy. But you know what? We do it for the people. You know, people helping people. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for being here with us this evening. We hope you enjoyed the interview with Matthew Collar. We hope you enjoyed the sprinkling of food metaphors. We hope you enjoyed everything. Scott came in at the, at the buzzer. Scott. Scott came in with a buzzer with the Super Chat. Scott, thank you so much. Hey, make sure you DM Nate. At Nakiri Sports on Twitter. Just make sure you shoot Genesee Brewing Company a follow on Twitter. Send me a screenshot, but Scott, shoot me a, di- a, a direct message on Twitter. Um, and I should probably make a contingency plan, Bruce, for folks that may not have Twitter. Uh, I don't have that right now, but Scott, uh, I'm going to make sure I write your, write your name down. I'll be expecting your di- direct message via Twitter. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are not coming in at the, at the buzzer like Scott, then, I mean, really... <laughs> What are we all doing here? I don't know. But I hope you didn't leave hungry. <laughs>